What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Evolve Your Life podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to a very special guest, someone that I met at an event a few weeks ago here in Lexington. She is a Lexington local blogger. She has her own photography business. She does so many things. She's an author of two books. She has just got so much going on, and she is an amazing person to look for for business advice, especially because she has a full-time day job, and she manages to keep this side hustle on the side and and she is doing amazing with it. But I want to talk to you first before we dive into the episode about our sponsors. Everybody loves sponsors today. This podcast is sponsored by Herbstrong. You guys know I love Herbstrong not only because they provide us with full spectrum amazing CBD products, but now Herbstrong is offering CBD for dogs. You heard it right here, folks. CBD for dogs. Herbstrong is offering so many different amazing things from drops to vapes to products that your dogs can use to keep them healthy. And especially one of my dogs is deathly afraid of thunderstorms. So we need to get her some CBD to lower her anxiety, if you know what I mean. But if you are interested in shopping Herbstrong CBD products, you can click the show notes. There is all the information you need there. And as always, use code GmailFit for 10% off. So without further ado and without too much more rambling, Let's dive into today's episode and learn how we can start our side hustle, even if we are working nine to five, and learn all things entrepreneurship from our guest today, Space, Place, and Southern Grace, Sarah Caton. All right, guys, welcome back to the Evolve Your Life podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, someone that I met um, at Influence Lex, which was an event that we both spoke at um, on entrepreneurship and just marketing through social media and that kind of stuff. So it was it was awesome. It was the first time I'd ever really spoke about this kind of stuff on a stage. So that was different and it was very fun. And we got to network and just meet a bunch of cool people. And as soon as I met Sarah, I knew that I needed to get her on the podcast or collaborate in some way because she just has this infectious energy about her. And she has done some really, really cool things. And I know that you guys are going to be super excited to hear about everything she has to say. So without further ado, welcome to the guest. Sarah, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Katen. Katen. I was saying yes. like Katon, like everybody says it differently. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. So yeah. you said say it one more time. Katen. Katen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sarah Katen. So Sarah is the author of a lifestyle blog um, called Space, Place, and Southern Grace. Her Instagram is Space, Place, and Grace. And her first book, Lessons We Paid For, was Actually, you know why would I, why would I talk about this? Let's have you talk about it. So, if you just want to talk a little bit about your your two books that you well, your first book that's already published, and then your second book that is about to be released. If you want to just kind of give a little bit of background on that, um, so you can get that out there. Awesome. Yeah. Right when I graduated college in 2016, I saw a gap in the not only feminist lit camp, but in the college literature field about how to prepare for college. And I wanted to provide some kind of context for those who not not only weren't sure about where they were going to find their groove in college, but also already identified as a feminist or have been hearing that buzzword a lot lately. So um, from that, Lessons We Paid For was born. And it basically is an experiential-based guide to college from a feminist perspective that really helps young women in particular look at the decision-making process 
process in college, whether it's anything from their academics to their living situation to relationships. And I, you know, wrote it from a very personal perspective. So I'm telling a lot of stories, providing a lot of anecdotes about my life and everything that happened in college, the things that went great, things that didn't go so great. Um, and then, yeah, it's been a tremendous, you know, blessing in my life to be able to say I've written a book at that point in time because I was just a college graduate and it's being sold in three stores, um, sold online. So it's been awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's when I heard that you had written a book too. It's like, it's kind of like a instant, like, whoa, no way you're an author. It's kind of, I don't know. That's like a big deal. So, and then you have written another book that's going to be released early 2019, correct? Exactly. Yeah. My second book is called This Little Thing I Do Sometimes, and it's coming out in February and it's almost done, about to go to print and everything. I'm wrapping up the last details, but this one is totally shifting gears from what my first book was about. And this one is more focused primarily on entrepreneurship with a subset of business language and communication to help people you know, stop speaking to themselves poorly and to stop holding themselves back when it comes to their potential success. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, I, I mean, that's amazing, especially as entrepreneurship is just becoming so much more prevalent in today's society. Everybody's kind of wanting to start their own thing, mm-hmm. rightfully so. So this, I think this is going to be a, a really big hit, especially with people who are interested in that. But um, I want to hear a little bit about your background because um, I, I, if you look at your blog and you look at your Instagram, you see all these different things. You do photography, you have your own little business, you do a blog, like you have so many different things going on and you've written books, you're an author, like you have so many different avenues, but what is your background in? And did all of these things just kind of happen naturally over time? Or did you always kind of know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and wanted to kind of make your own path for business? Yeah. I talk a lot about this in my second book, but about how, you know, it might feel like your path to entrepreneurship is completely by chance or by happenstance. But honestly, when you look at the decisions you made and the opportunities you've had, there's a clear pivotal point where you made a choice and there have been um, actions and decisions leading up to that point that make it clear that you're going to be a business owner. And I, in writing the book, I reflected kind of on fundamental experiences in my childhood and adolescence that made it very clear to me now, looking back in hindsight, of course, 2020, is that I could totally see pivotal points where I was interested in entrepreneurship, interested in business, even though the whole time I thought I was going to be a pharmacist or a teacher or totally different um, career paths. But I went to school at the University of Kentucky, and I have two degrees in Spanish and gender and women's studies. Um, so both of those degrees, you know, I, I always got the, what are you going to do with those questions? Because they're very rooted in social sciences and communication. Um, but that's how I sell it to people is that I had to talk to people all of college and get to know them personally and communicate effectively. And so those two degrees really inform everything I do right now, whether it's, you know, working with a client one-on-one or helping somebody build a brand, you, you have to be able to speak to your audiences effectively and inclusively in this day and age, particularly. Um, so helping people do that has become a passion that I've applied some of my background to, and then, you know, kind of morphed it into where my interests lie and keep changing. Yeah. That's, that's honestly exactly where I'm at too. People are always like, did you always want to do this? And I'm like, I don't think when you, when it comes to entrepreneurship, you don't really like grow up saying, Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. You know, mm-hmm. it just kind of evolves and turns into it. Tur- it just kind of falls into your lap and it kind of, I don't know. It, it is. It's crazy. I like what you said about how you, when you look back in hindsight, there are certain like, whether it's your personality traits or just kind of how your life has shaped 
throughout, there are different points where you're like, Oh, this is why I'm doing this. Like this makes so much sense. And it, it does, it really just kind of your, your life path just shapes its own way. And entrepreneurship is not something that I think as a second grader, you're like, I want to be an entrepreneur. You're like, you just don't. But I mean, yeah. nowadays it's like, you can almost make any, any profession, you can turn it into an entrepreneur in a sense. Cause like you can either have your own practice or you can make your own version of it and you can be your own boss, which is just so awesome. Cause I, I mean, I love it. It's, I think it's the most amazing thing in the world to be able to be your own boss and not have to like, you can just be creative and do whatever you want with it. So I think that's awesome. Um, so when it comes to social media, you're, you are on what Instagram, you have a blog. Do you do any other social medias? I manage Facebook and I advise and teach courses on Pinterest and Twitter, but I don't actively manage them myself just because I'm not super passionate about them. Um, but I help other people find ways to better grow them if it fits their industry and brand per se. Um, I'm active on LinkedIn for the most part. Those are the ones I stick to. Okay. So when it comes to social media, what would you say is, well, first off, what's your favorite? Like what's just if it didn't mean business at all, what's your favorite social media platform for you personally? And then on a more business standpoint, where do you think, like, what, what's the best social media platform for like to have the best return on investment, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, blogging, like where have you personally in your business seen the most return on investment? And then I don't know if you've had any clients that have maybe also had really good um, return on investment in different areas or in the same area. I would say for personal enjoyment and personal use, Twitter is probably my favorite because I think it is a hilarious place because it traps people with the word and character count. So you can't, you know, abuse the space you have. So people get very creative and quirky and there's any kind of current event or a political situation. I just really enjoy hearing all kinds of witty perspectives on Twitter. Um, But it's not been a really effective tool for my business because it is so uh, encapsulated because it is short and images, you know, don't really shine on that platform. Whereas that's so much of what I do. So that's been something I've really utilized personally, but speaking to business, I think without a doubt, Instagram has been my um, most successful platform to promote my blog and photography services because it's image-based. And so I can show off what I do very clearly, but I can also find people that are like-minded or interested in my business very quickly, um, readily available based on geolocation, or if they're in my area and I need to connect with them specifically, it's very easy and accessible to do so. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly how I am. Um, Instagram for me, not only is it my favorite to post on, but it's also my favorite. Just, it is, I think personally the best for my business because people get, they see that picture, they're interested, and then they can scroll down and they can read either a long caption or something that they're going to get value from, Mm -hmm. which I think is like the biggest thing when it comes to building your business. And especially on Instagram, because you can have a super aesthetic, like amazing pictures. You can have the best pictures in the world on your Instagram, but if there's nothing, just nothing besides that, it's like, why are people going to follow you? You kind of have to give more and you have to give value and you have to give people a reason to want to come back. So what are some of the tools that you would say you have used to help you grow your Instagram? And is there any advice that you could give people if they're looking to grow their Instagram and not only just grow their Instagram, because I think nowadays people can, people want to grow their Instagram, but it's like, why do they want to grow it? So this is more for the people listening who I know are looking to grow their Instagram to build a business. So looking for people who are going to be more 
willing to read your captions and stuff? Like, what is your advice to kind of, I guess, cultivate a tribe that's going to later invest in you? Sure. I think when you speak to tools to grow Instagram, I think the most helpful ones for me have been content planners and schedulers um, that help me organize what my feed will look like, where I can store captions, store sets of hashtags, um, and just get things ready for the week. That way I don't feel like it's a burden or stress that I have to stop what I'm doing every single day to keep my Instagram relevant and current. Um, But second to that, you know, test apps that help you test hashtags to see what's performing well or what is really saturated at this point in time, because sometimes different hashtags can become really saturated very quickly and then it becomes irrelevant for you to post on them for the most part. Um, So those those have been some of the the tools uh, in addition to quick photo editing apps, such as Lightroom on your phone, which is a great one. Um, Things that can allow you to quickly put text overlay over images if you need it. Um, Those are all really handy free tools that there are tons of options in the app store that make it really easy to build an Instagram effectively. But moreover, I think it's just the root of your strategy and why you're on the platform because your ability to engage and speak to people on a one-to-one level is something that social media kind of erases as you start growing a platform. Um, the, the bigger your voice gets, the more you're kind of shouting into this void of followers and people lose that really one-to-one personal connection. So checking up on people and leaving genuine comments or if, if somebody that you're connected with hasn't connected with you that you recognize their name with, um, you know, following up with them, seeing if they're okay, responding to all of your direct messages, just investing the time to keep it as current and personal as possible, I think has been effective because at the same time, while you want to grow, you want to grow for the business. Um, we, we talked about how a following on social media is great for businesses. Whereas my blog is also really effective, but people can't see the number of followers and readers that I have on my blog. It's not readily available, you know, as a timestamp on the top of the page. Whereas Instagram, somebody can show up and see how many posts I have, uh, how many people I'm following, how many people follow me and like all those quick stats very fast. So in being able to um, articulate that very quickly to brands, they want more now. It's not just about the numbers. It's about the engagement and how um, transparent you're being, how, how people respond to your content and do they act upon what you're asking them to do, whether that's purchase with you, purchase with somebody else, or um, you know, behave and believe in a certain way. And so that part of the strategy, I think, is something you can't lose to automation. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's so true. It's crazy. And like, I love what you said about, I didn't even think about that, about how blogs don't have that number. And it's true because when you go to a blog, like if, for example, if I'm looking up recipes, sometimes I'll I'll like type in a recipe to Google. And a lot of the times those recipes are pulled from blogs. And you can usually tell if someone has a successful blog just by how their website's laid out, like how it looks, just, you can tell it's professional, but like you said, I mean, you don't know, maybe they just have really good SEO and they've gotten their, their blog to be the first one on Google, but it's not mm-hmm. actually that popular and they're just starting out. So, I mean, this is a very good transition. I'm not, I am not a blogger. I've never been a blogger. I have no idea how it works or how to like, I don't, I don't know how it works. So I'm going to learn a lot in this next question, but me along with a lot of other people who've asked me this, cause a lot of people come to me for business advice and they ask like, Oh, I want to start a blog. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, not the person to go to for that. But a lot of people do think that blogging is oversaturated because there are so many bloggers just like there. I mean, Instagram is a form of blogging. There are so many bloggers and there's so many people doing different things. And a lot of people might be scared to start one because like with Instagram, 
you don't know how many people, well, you know how many people are reading it, but it doesn't have that as readily, as easily to be discovered. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a platform. It's your own thing. So for people who may be scared that it's oversaturated, that they're not sure how to get their blog out there and really get it exposed, how can people who are really excited and ready to start their own blog, um, I guess, make sure that it's successful and make sure that the time and effort they're actually putting into these blog posts, they're getting that investment back, whether it's through sales or whether it's through getting clients or whatever the case may be. Sure. I definitely think there's room too for people who treat blogs as just personal expression that never intend to make it a business. And then also those who try, who, who create it with the intention of building a business out of their blog brand per se. And so there's definitely a place for both of those. And it's okay if one evolves from the other or one kind of backs off from being a business into personal vice versa. Um, Because not everybody has to go into it, you know, full force. And I definitely didn't. I started as a means of personal expression, actually, for a class project. That was one of our group project creative component options. And that's where my blog was born from. And from there, it kind of naturally evolved into a business as I grew an audience. But there are plenty of people who say, today I'm going to start a blog and I want it to be a business. And this, this is where I'm coming from. I think that the most important question you can ask yourself at that point in time is, what am I doing here and what do I care about? Because if you're just trying to fit somebody else's mold or you're trying to go with what seems popular based on what surrounds you, I don't think you're achieving something that's also personally fulfilling necessarily. Because if you, if you see a void in community and you're passionate about filling it or you have something meaningful you can personally contribute to that conversation, that's reason to start a blog and that morphs into a business. Whereas if you're, if you're just saying, I think I can make a successful fashion blog because I watched this person do it, but I don't really care about buying clothes and I'm not willing to put in the time to do it. Maybe that's not the right niche for you or, or the brand you want to really develop. Because um, you, have, you have to start with your heart in the place where it cares. you care about the issues you're going to speak about, whether that's focused in one vein or not. Um, my, my brand started with a fashion focus and I realized that very quickly that that wasn't who I was. You know, I, I care about clothing and people happen to like the clothes I wear because I dress every day. <laughs> you know, I dress myself every day. But after that, there were so many more issues that I was passionate about. So my brand morphed into this lifestyle conversation about where I am, what I'm doing, what I'm eating, um, who, who I'm engaging with in my community or online and just telling those stories. So I think that starting a blog as a business has to be rooted in personal intention and passion before you can say, I want to make money doing this and I want to help others potentially make money or get, get the things they need. If it's a material good that you're trying to share in, in addition to just tangible or intangible digital advice. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's such, that's, it's so true. And it goes the same with Instagram and it's the same with all social media platforms. I believe that it has to come from, like you said, just like wanting, like, why are you doing this? What are your, what's your intention with this? Um, my one question more specifically with the blogs that, um, I personally am just very curious about, and I bet other people are who don't do blogs. How do you make money on those? Because I know like Instagram, I don't make money from Instagram, but on Instagram, I have a very large following and I'm able to sell my own products. I'm able to sell my own coaching. I'm able to, um, sell other products and do affiliate marketing and that kind of stuff. I don't know if there's, if you have just specific ways that you have personally made money from blogging or if it's more of just an outlet for you, but for people who are looking into blogs as a way of making maybe some extra money or maybe they have a blog and they're like, I don't know how to monetize this. Mm -hmm. How can you 
start to monetize a blog that you either already have or are looking to start? Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. I mean, you can definitely take the affiliate marketing approach or influencer marketing where you're pushing a product and then you make um, passive income based on a link clicked and purchased where you can make commission, for example, which is a more like passive way to utilize your blog space. If you drive traffic for, you know, a sweater that you're advertising or, um, a book that you want to promote and you make a commission on that sale. Um, Otherwise, I use my blog, again, as a tool to make leads to in-person sales for photography and one-on-one coaching. So it's definitely a platform where I can showcase my portfolio and what I have to offer by offering more like free advice or, you know, watered down versions of what I'd offer somebody in a one-to-one consult versus what I can just speak to the general public about starting a blog or about writing a book and just those very surface level points of advice. But I think that the way you go about it is again, it goes back to the fact that your numbers are private when you build a blog. So nobody knows if you've got 15,000 viewers every day, no one knows really, they can see maybe how many people are commenting on your post, but they're not seeing where the traffic is. They're not seeing that it's in your hometown or it's across the ocean. Um, so being able to create a media kit and pitch brands to put those legitimate numbers in front of them and say, I care about your product. And I think we could, I can make money advertising for you whether that's in a commission or a flat fee compensation model. So that way I say, I'm going to promote a brand with their products and they pay me a fixed amount to talk about that. Usually that starts from me saying, these are my numbers. This is what I charge based on my audience. It's just like Instagram when you're promoting a product where you have a certain audience to leverage. It just happens to be more public than maybe a blog would be. But the advantages of having a blog versus micro blogging, which is kind of what Instagram has become is that you can really expand as long and as deep as you want to, because blog posts really don't have, you know, word count. You don't have to, um, you know, put hashtags for it to be seen necessarily. And you're not limited to one or a couple photos in a carousel. So you can really make it as robust or as succinct as you want it to be. And depending on the potential, um, client that you would have as a brand, you could really tailor that to, to what they're seeking. So I always ask clients with whether I'm pitching them or if they, they've come to me wanting a partnership, like what best fits you? Like I, I can make a package option where I write a blog post and this is kind of the ideal length and a few images I put in here, but what will serve your audience best? Um, and then how, how can we make that work together? So it's like kind of back and forth dialogue and conversation to make sure you're both benefiting from any kind of partnership, whether it's monetary gain, product compensation, cross promotion, there's tons of um, benefits you can get. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That's awesome. Okay, cool. I feel like I'm enlightened on blogging. (laughs) Um, So for you being an entrepreneur in many different uh, areas, what, like, what's the timeline for you? Like, where did it kind of start and what came first? Cause I know a lot of people, like if they say they follow me on Instagram, a lot of people will message me and be like, Oh, I want to do what you do. And it's so hard. Cause it's like, I didn't just wake up one day and decide. And like, it didn't just happen. Like I started by, I started Instagram with the full intent just to kind of document my journey. And then, then I made some guides and then I did a challenge and then I started one-on-one coaching. And now it's like, and as I've gone through the years, literally three, four years of this, I've developed this business, but it hasn't like, and I got sponsored by different companies and all that over time. It's not like you can just start it. So for you, where's that timeline? Like, did you like, yeah, I'll let you kind of expand on that. I just want to hear a little bit about like where, 
when you started your like photography business and then you start like your blog, like where do all those things kind of fall into place? Absolutely. I started actually blogging for a class project when I was 17. And so that was <laughs> some time ago now. And I, it was in Spanish for a Spanish course. So a completely different language, totally different brand title, you name it. Everything was different about my current website. Um, but I realized after the class, you know, I wanted to keep up with it because I've always been passionate about writing. I've loved journaling. And I figured, you know, what better way to do it than in a public forum where I might forge community with other people based on what I'm discussing. So I took that same blog that I had in high school and in college, transformed it for an independent study course I was taking about feminist literature and obviously converted it back to English to make sense for what I was doing in my audience then. But I started reviewing feminist books as part of an independent study class. Um, So that's kind of where I got the voice for feminism that contributed to my book and, you know, what a lot of my brand is now to be inclusive and just a platform that really is accessible to all people. But I, I took that from the course and continued writing and expanding upon it. And then uh, five years ago, I created the brand that exists now, which is Space, Place, and Southern Grace. Um, space and place, the, the kind of parts of the name really spoke to me because I was studying about ethnography and sexuality and um, gender identity in college and how much of that individual and personal identity was informed by where you are in the world and what you're doing in it. So that's where the space and place kind of came to be. And then the fact that I was from Kentucky, I wanted to have that be part of my brand because I wasn't sure if I was going to live here after college or, um, you know, how, how much that was going to be a part of my story moving forward. So I put in that little Southern Grace component to show, you know, my personal nod to where I am in life and where I was raised. So that's kind of where the brand was created. I was doing it just completely passively for personal enjoyment up until I was a sophomore in, in college. And then I received an email from my blog from a national company. It's a national eyewear brand that said, would you like to write about why you wear glasses? And we'll pay you $15 to do that. And I said, sure, I would love to do that because I was making minimum wage at the time and thought, hey, you know what? I don't have to work for two hours now because I've just made money. So from that point on, I realized not only was it easy for me to make money blogging because I'm good at writing, I care about writing, and I can do it quickly, um, brands are willing to pay for that. So from then, I started pitching companies. I had companies pitch me, and that's where the, the influencer marketing, make money from blogging side of things came into play. Um, but thereafter, I'm sure, as you're, you know, there are plenty of people who say, can I sit down with you and learn everything about your, what you're doing? So I was almost forced to make coaching services to protect my time because without, you know, being able to do things like come on podcasts and write blog posts, people were asking me to sit down with them one-on-one, you know, over coffee to, to help them build their business. And I just can't sit in a coffee shop. All, all day, every day with different for free. clients. <laughs> yeah, for free, exactly. And, and as much as I would love to be able to do that, that doesn't help me sustain a living. So mm-hmm. I started offering really in-depth services to make sure that clients were getting the most from me and the most attention that I could give them. And this was um, like business coaching and kind of teaching people how to like make their own brand and that kind of stuff or? Yeah, it really started kind of from the make your own blog perspective. So it was more just like blog coaching about how to start one, um, what you need to do to make it visible and successful. Um, but then it really just molded into people needing general business advice. Some of the the basics of setting things up to how do I 
create a campaign? How do I pitch companies? Um, so I started signing contracts with clients and keeping people, you know, for six months to a year or longer to help them really re- reach some milestones and some goals for themselves. And from that, people also needed imagery and branding and they liked my photos. So I started doing individual photo shoots for clients um, that were already in my coaching kind of repertoire. And in January of this year, so it's actually only been a year that I've been offering photography formally, but I just decided, you know, to heck with it. I'm just going to announce this and say that I'm doing this. And I've done almost 300 sessions this year, which I could not believe, you know, that it's taken off in this way because Well, I knew I enjoyed photography and was good at it because it was earning me brand collaborations and brands were reposting and repurposing my content that I shared with them. It also, you know, turned into people in my area that weren't business owners who wanted me to take their family photos or their uh, senior photos or um, engagements and weddings. And so that, that's been a huge change this year, which I've really loved because I've been able to put a lot of faces to or names to faces and vice versa, because people that followed my blog saw that I was announcing photography services in the area. And I was able to connect with people I probably never would have met otherwise, but that have felt like they've known me for five years as they followed my blog and its growth. That's so cool. That, I think that's amazing. And what I think what I just realized, I think is so unique and just like, and cool about you, but it's, I mean, it's a really good lesson for people to learn that are looking to start some kind of entrepreneurship is you're not pigeonholed in one area, you know, like you have learned throughout blogging and through Instagram and through having a photography business and having a coaching business. Like you've dabbled in a lot of different areas. And from that, it's like, you can take different lessons and apply it to them, whatever you're doing that you've written a book, like you've learned and probably done so many different business things. And then it's like, you can take all those pieces and apply them to whatever you're going to do in the near future. So I think that's a really good lesson. It's like, you may see these girls or guys on Instagram, like with all the followers and they look super cool and it looks like all glamorous, but like, that's not just what they do. Like a lot of them have their, like a lot of different things that they kind of, um, create or they do. And it's like, you, you have to, especially being an entrepreneur, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you make just connections and make, and you learn through your own, not mistakes, but well, yeah, learn through your mistakes and just learn through growing. So I think that that's, I think it's really cool that you have all these different things. And I think it kind of, it's funny because all of them then contribute to each other. It's like they all play off each other, which is so awesome. I have a day job. I work for the University of Kentucky in IT. And a lot of what I do there is some technical work, some creative work with web development, graphic design type stuff. Um, so I've been really privileged to have, you know, a creative space that really feeds what I do after hours too in my small business. But at the same time, I realized that I didn't want to do some of the technical things um, in my small business because before I would say yes, that I could help serve a client in really any way they asked me if I was working with them on one-to-one consulting and they needed a website built or they needed um, a flyer designed. (laughs) There were so many things that I said, absolutely, I can do this because I know how. I'm not sure that I want to or I need to or if it's beneficial to me to do that. And so when I started offering photography, I started saying no to that web design component. Um, I turned down graphics projects and I turned down some opportunities to teach classes about SEO or more technical things that I, I might know about, but it just doesn't make sense for me right now to, to offer those things and st- without hiring out basically, because I would have to turn down the things I care about most. 
Yeah, I think that's really, and that's another important thing to mention too. It's like, I'm, I'm actually, that's where I really struggle. I'm just very, because my business is my name. It's like a lot of it. I, I can't outsource. I mean, I could, and I probably should, but that's again, one of those things I need to work on. And I know I need to work on it is being able to hire a graphic designer, Gabby, don't do everything, you know, because you don't need to. And I can then put my energy and my time elsewhere where I can either help more people or make more money or do other things instead of spending like two weeks on one program where I could just create the basic content and then have someone do that's a professional do the design aspect. So that's kind of something I need to work on too. And I think that a lot of people who are especially just starting out need to realize that, that in the beginning, yes, a lot of it is going to be you because you don't maybe have the money or the resources to outsource, but outsourcing is so important, especially like I am not a logistics person. I have no idea how SEO works. I have no idea about like logistics with marketing, like campaigns, Facebook campaigns, ad campaigns. I don't know how that stuff works. I don't know how to do it. And so I hire someone and get people to do it for me because I like, why would I, I could learn maybe a little bit about it, but I could get so much more out of just paying someone to do it. That's a professional and that's their job. So I think that's a really good thing to take away from, from that because it is, like you said, it is, it is a lot and there's so many different components. And while yes, you could do it. It's like, you could also do what you're more passionate about and grow this other business and outsource other areas, which brings me to your books. Cause I actually was reading a little bit about just like your books and like the process and stuff. And I saw that you said it wouldn't have been possible if you hadn't have had like a really good team around you, people like just helping you out. So I want to hear a little bit about that whole experience with publishing a book, especially because how old were you when you published your first book? 22. 22. So that's yeah. literally, that's how old I am right now. And that's yeah. just like, that makes me like <laughs> breath thinking about publishing a book right now. Like that's crazy. So I want to hear, I know you did your first book and your second book. I, I forget which way it is, but you self-published one and then you went with a publisher on the other one. So if you just want to touch on like the process of that and kind of how that came about, because I know there's people who, whether it's publishing a book or starting a business, like it's a scary thing to do, like a very scary thing to do. And a lot of people don't think that they could ever do it, but you are living proof that at 22 years old, you can successfully publish a book. So if you just want to talk about that a little bit, I am, I'm honestly interested in this in the far, far future, but (laughs) it is something I'm very interested in. And I think it would be interesting to hear about. Well, first, I want to say that writing a book isn't as scary as it, as you think it might be because if you're already blogging and you're already writing these kind of micro stories on Instagram, um, a lot of it just becomes a collection that you build upon and expand upon. And it does take time. I mean, it's it's a long project that requires a lot of patience and a lot of diligence to not get frustrated and throw in the towel and just say, this is garbage. Let's just never look at this again. Um, because that, that happens and you reach that breaking point mentally where you're, you're just wrapped up in your own work and you're not sure that it's good enough or worth anything. But I started writing both books with the same process and that's by writing a thousand words a day for 30 days. They weren't pretty. They weren't, you know, like beautiful chapters, nothing fleshed out. They weren't even complete sentences half the time, but that is the best way to have like a great foundation to start from that you can then send off to an editor. If you want somebody to help you organize your thoughts and ideas, um, because the process matters so much to keep you from getting burnt out, but also to make sure that you have something to work with. Um, and, and I knew that I wanted to publish a book when I started writing blog posts that weren't four and 500 words. They started being 1200 and 1500 words. And, you know, very quickly, you know, 
from 1500 words, I only really need a couple dozen blog posts and then I've got a full book. And so it's, it's been very interesting to see you know, how that grows and just to remind people that anyone can write a book about any topic. And there's nobody that says you can't really other than, you know, the funds and the, like the technical aspects to get it out there in front of people. But that being said, anyone can essentially publish an ebook for free. And that, that's a really beautiful thing that should not deter anyone because if you've got the patience and the willingness to sit down and say, I've got something to offer everybody, then you can do it. You have the tools. But for my first book, Lessons We Paid For, I went with an independent publisher out in Arizona and I tried to, again, do everything myself as much as possible because I did not have the money. I didn't have capital other than a small presale that I did um, to, to really outsource and to do the things that... I, I, well, I wouldn't say I cut corners, but I definitely didn't give some of the elements of my book as much depth and as much, um, consideration as I had hoped for just because I was one person kind of not being checked in some aspects and I didn't have, I didn't have the resources and it was my first time doing it. So I didn't have that experience to fall back on. I really just had, you know, copious amounts of internet articles that said the do's and don'ts of publishing (laughs) that kind of got me through. But at the same time, I, I learned a lot in the process, and I feel like I'm that much more informed this time around for my second title. Um, this title, I've outsourced so much, like so much down to the fact that it's just the writing that I'm handling at this point. I mean, I did everything from photography to graphic design to editing to the printing to the formatting of my interior text is all being farmed out to other people. And because that is a very costly process to give other people that work. Um, I did a fundraiser to launch the campaign, which served as a pre-sale again, but I used a more formal uh, outlet this time. So I used Kickstarter to fund the book because it's a public platform that's pretty credible. Um, And so people who backed the book received rewards or pre-ordered copy or some other items based on the amount that they contributed to my title. So now I have a fixed sum of money that I can use to put that book forward. And now that I've got a couple months left before the title actually comes out, um, I, I feel much more prepared. I feel like I have the resources that won't put me in a stressful situation to make sure it happens because I'm not trying to control all factors of production anymore. And I also know that I have the funds there to put towards the people who are giving their time and skills to the book. That's just like, I don't know. It's so cool. I, I think that it's amazing. Like, how old are you now? I'm 25. 25. Okay. So yeah. I was just getting like the timeline, right. That's so amazing. I know I, like I've, the more I've, I actually used to like hate reading, like literally hated reading. I never did it, but I discovered audible and <laughs> I love listening. I love, I've always listened to podcasts. Now I was like, I need to start listening to books because yeah. people put their best information in books. Like you're not going to write a book if it's not like something that you're really, really passionate about. Exactly. So, like, Books are, I think, are the best place to just get everybody in the world's masterpiece. So I've been listening to so many books recently, and it's just really inspired me and honestly put the thought in my head, the seed, if you will, that this will happen someday. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice to see that you've been able to do two by the age of 25. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, that's incredible. I'm excited to, to see all of it kind of happen. Do you have like an official launch date or, um, a date on when it's going to be available? If everything goes as planned, I mean, there's obviously a lot of factors at play right now until it finally gets that print copy that I'm holding. Um, but 
February 1st is the tentative release where pre-order copies would ship out. And then depending on that production and making sure everything goes through there, the tentative public online sales date would be February 15th, potentially a little bit later in the month, um, just based on the timeline, um, everything happening according to plan. But yeah. it would be available on Amazon for purchase at that point in time. So anybody could pick up a copy. And then I kind of brainstormed, you know, the whole audiobook route at that point do I want to make it available in that form because I would say yes yeah <laughs> it, well, I'm see I'm so not an audiobook person which is so really because yeah I'm I'm very much more like if I'm in the car I am spaced out listening to music you know not concentrating at oh all. I'm all and about the audiobooks I love I, them it's so funny because I'm just, I'm that person. I'm like, I have to hold the book and stare at it. And that's why I was so adamant about even my first book being in print and why I waited. Cause I probably would have had an ebook sooner, honestly, because mm-hmm. I was convinced I was like, I want to do this and I want it to be affordable and available, but I just, I don't like, I'm not a good reader and um, learner when it's just that digital content or if it's just being heard. Cause I need that physical um, mm-hmm. tangible aspect. So I knew that's why I had to make it happen in print. Um, cause that's the type of person I am. But I, I also think that in, in writing the second book that I want to make sure that people know exactly what you said. It's all of my best advice, you know, to date about writing a book about public or creating a business about, um, starting a blog, like everything I do, there's anecdotes and stories, um, leading up to my experiences and the decisions I've made to help me create a successful path. And I told people, I've told people that, you know, if you can't come to some of my workshops that I host in town or you've missed some stuff online or don't keep up with my blog, like it's all of my best advice rolled into one, just like you said, because that, that's why you're putting it out there. It's that succinct piece that you can give somebody to say, start here, that this is what I have to offer you. And it's, it's a great place where you can refer people if you can't take on a new consulting client at that time, or they feel like they're not being served by you directly, they can get your voice directly from that. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's amazing. Um, as far as getting it into stores, I, and this kind of goes, I don't know if it's the same process as like for clothing and stuff, or if someone is has a different product that they're looking to get available in stores. What did that process look like? Just briefly, like how did you go about getting your book to be sold in in stores, I know with different products, like if, like for different people that are listening, um, there's probably different like regulations depending on if it's like food or if it's like, I don't know, there's, there's a bunch of different things, but what did you literally just like reach out to people or how did you go about doing that? It was definitely a lot of pitching and a lot of meetings just to say, you know, this is what I have to offer. Let me like show you that this is a credible title um, because it's been through editing. It's registered with the Library of Congress. Like there's a lot of different aspects to prove that it's, you know, a viable book that can be put in a database. Basically, it's been registered um, with an ISBN number instead of just something, you know, I printed at my house. You know, So you basically have to prove that it's worthwhile and it's something that can be circulated and tracked. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote a lot of query letters, a lot of pitch letters to small and independent bookstores, um, some bigger, some smaller. And then, um, thankfully some people, you know, took that chance and said, yes, we'll put you in the store. Some were on contract, some bought outright. Um, some just like took it on loan. Basically there, there's a lot of different nuances to contracts about how that looks just depending on what benefits the store and benefits you that you can agree to. Um, but yeah, it's been a great experience learning experience for me but most of what I've learned it's it's similar to products whereas if it's a bigger name there is a somebody who works as a buyer for that brand and they 
scope out products or books or whatever the the item is that they feel fits the store or the the audience that they serve and they kind of you know look to fill a void in what they're already offering and so there were plenty of people that didn't offer any kind of books like what I created like they didn't have any kind of feminist literature they didn't have any college type content or they didn't have a younger audience so it didn't make sense for them to put my book in their store whereas some smaller books that were you know, community focused or, um, you know, focusing on independent publishers. That was an awesome fit for me because I could, you know, make a clear case as to why my book fit their audience, the audience they serve. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's amazing. Um, okay. So when it comes to Instagram and all of, honestly, not even Instagram, just social media in general, like, a lot of people, and I've had so many people tell me this who've either come to me for business advice or whatever it may be, they they think that they can't do it because of their following. They can't do it because they don't have that platform. They can't do it because who's going to read, who's going to buy, who's going to listen. And for you, how like you have a very successful business. And how have you either... Well, two questions, I guess. How have you gotten over that mindset of feeling like you needed to have this crazy big following in order to follow your dreams? And then two, how literally, how have you made this possible um, not having crazy amounts of followers on these different social media platforms? So if you have any like advice for people who are have smaller platforms or are literally just starting out, how can you create a credible, legitimate, profitable business when you don't have these like hundreds of thousands of followers? I think it's appropriate to, to scale um, your goals too, based on, you know, where you are in terms of your visibility to an audience. Because when I had a thousand followers on Instagram, I wasn't pitching airy <laughs> necessarily, which I mean, that's not to say that you can't build a successful partnership with a large brand at that time. It's just a lot harder to be seen and to get them to recognize and engage with their content online. Um, but it's totally appropriate to start to start with smaller retailers, whether they're like local businesses in your hometown or um, internet retailers that are looking to have ambassadors or influencers. So it's a great place to start to just to get experience with influencer marketing and creating content that brands want and um, potential followers engage with. We touched on this already. Going back to your engagement on your social platforms and in a blog, if you are speaking to an audience that you understand that you relate to and you're you're telling stories and providing vulnerability to them people are drawn to that and you you know your audience will grow inherently but at the same time loyalty matters more than that number do people stay with you do people show up when you've got milestones to not only comment and um, follow and engage, but also if you've got a product out there, will, will they buy? Do they believe that they have purchasing power with you? And that's so essential to creating a brand, even if you don't have the largest numbers to back it up. But I think it's really important to be your own best advocate because my blog has tremendous reach in comparison to my social platforms, but I have to tell people that. I have to be the one out there selling it and showing up with my media kit to say, hey, look at this. These are my numbers and I can prove it to you. Um, And I don't like to say that you're going to work up against brands that don't believe you inherently, but you have to be your own best advocate to make sure your content gets seen if you want these partnerships to happen. So by being the one who reaches out, stays on top of things and follows up where necessary, that that's going to establish relationships. And and some of my best collaborations with blogs weren't one and done. They, they were brands that I've worked with 
on and on for years that, you know, continuous campaigns, continuous collaborations or in-store events, you name it. And they've been effective partnerships that have been cultivated over a long period of time, whether I had a thousand followers or 10,000 followers, it didn't matter because we forged a connection and, and those relationships honestly matter more than who you're, who you're blind pitching. Exactly. And I think it's important too. I like what you said about um, like when, if you are trying to work with brands or get sponsored or do, do a collaboration or something like that, um, like you said, there are brands that are just looking for the numbers. So it's kind of like when you're looking to work with brands or even with people, it's like, do those people believe in you? Do those people believe in your message? And are they there because they truly want to support you and collaborate with you and your platform? Or is it because they just want another person to promote their product. It's kind of like, where are your morals at and who do you want to align your brand with? Because whoever you put your name with is going to directly reflect on um, who's going to trust you and who's going to make sure, like continuously buy things that you promote in the future. I think that's a huge thing that I am like very careful with as someone Mm -hmm. who gets at least five or six emails a day from different brands. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. And like, I, if I promote one bad product, that could be my reputation, my, like me being a reputable source for products I believe in mm-hmm. gone. And that then in turn makes all of my like work in the future, not as effective because people aren't going to believe me. People are going to be like, Oh, well you promoted this and it wasn't good. And so it's just, you have to make sure when you are working with brands and stuff like, yeah, it's really cool. If you get an offer, if you get the opportunity to work with even a bigger company, but if, Mm -hmm. if you truly don't like their product, you truly don't believe in what they're doing and what they have to offer. Don't do it to yourself because it's, it's just going to come back to bite you. I've worked with a couple that I regret in the past and it's like, it has only, only come back to bite me. And it's like no amount of money is worth risking your entire, your trustworthiness and your authenticness, I guess, when it comes to like the connections you have with your audience, because they trust your word. And so it's like, that's when just being a very honest person and maybe saying no to some deals that you may want to say yes to, but you don't believe in that product. So I think that's a really good kind of point to make, especially as people start to get more followers and get more just traction with their business, you're going to get people to come at you and like offer you money and offer you all these things and free stuff. And it seems really exciting, but if you don't like that stuff and you don't believe in that stuff and you wouldn't personally buy it, don't freaking promote it because you're just, it, people are just going to see right through it. So I think that's a really, really good point to make. I definitely think that um, professionalism and transparency go hand in hand in this case because Mm -hmm. there are plenty of times that I've worked with brands and I was really excited and passionate about them and believed that it was going to be a great collaboration. And then the product did not live up to expectations. So I, at, at that point, gave the brand an opportunity to say would you like me to publish a negative honest review or do you, would you like me to retract this and withhold it and, you know, still receive compensation because I you know did due diligence and plenty of people have taken me up on that opportunity. But the same thing goes for if you've promoted a product or a brand that suddenly has negative press or PR for whatever reason. Um, and instead of, you know, just coming out and outright trash talking them, be willing to have an honest and transparent conversation about why you worked with them in the past, what your experience was, and what's happening now and how it's impacting your readers or followers. Because if, if you're willing to have the conversation and don't just shut things down or be non-responsive, um, I think it shows that that loyalty is there because we're, we're still human. We might have like a following and we might have this seemingly great presence on the internet, but we're still human who are making like real decisions about where to allocate our time. And that being said, you know, some of those decisions aren't going to be 
super fulfilling or the most effective all the time and to serve every person that then buys after hearing us promote it, you know, to have that same great experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. It's, it is. It's, and it's a big problem I think in the industry right now with people not promoting authentically, but, Mm -hmm. um, so for you, last two questions, um, for you right now, like what's next, like, what are you out of all your different platforms and areas that you're focusing Um, what is your, I mean, I guess it's perfect timing because 2019 is coming up. Do you have any like areas that you want to start really focusing on? Do you plan on keeping your day job and keeping this as a side business? Are you ever wanting to turn it into a full-time thing? Um, I think this is a really good question for people who do have full-time jobs and do the work at night or early in the morning and on the weekends and find time to make it work. I think you're a very good example of someone who can have a regular job, but also a very successful side business. So do you ever plan to make this not just a side business, but a full-time business? I can definitely see that happening long-term, but I I really love the job I do right now um, during the day because some of the skills that I've not only cultivated, but get to put into practice every day just are very rewarding because I do work with students and serve, you know, university community. And that's been something that's very important to me to give back to a university that also gave me so much that I have, you know, the privilege of working there after having graduated. Um, But at the same time, I do think that having that day job keeps me grounded and structured, whereas I think my life would look a lot different if I was a full-time entrepreneur because I wouldn't have a fixed amount of time per se that I could serve my clients and to do all the things that I offer. And I don't know that I would effectively manage my time as well or that I would take time off as much as I need to because now I'm able to clearly understand boundaries and lines for balance because I only have a fixed amount of time for each. Um, But if I had that more limitless schedule, I don't know that I would set those boundaries super well just based on my own personality. So I could see for myself that that happening maybe in the future, but right now I'm really focused on um, continuing to grow my blog and influencer marketing platforms. But after this year and the success um, that I've had for photography, I'm really putting a lot of energy into that moving into 2019 because not only, you know, having a small business and a day job, I've also been able to turn on and turn off the small business aspect whenever it's overwhelming or stressful or, you know, not inspiring me at that time. So it's been able, I've been able to keep it really fresh and creative um, for myself. So photography has completely driven that sense of creativity for me this year. Um, but in the start of 2019, I'm getting ready to release a whole new, um, set of package offerings that make a little bit more sense for the audience that I've served this year. So there'll be, um, more clear cut offerings to make sense for not only brands, but families and other life milestones that I can help capture through photos. Um, so I'm really excited to roll that out and just, you know, continue the ambassador program that I have with photography as well, because it really helps me engage the community and reach different touch points that I really don't have access to just myself. That's awesome. And I've already talked to you. I'm like, I like, let's do a photo shoot. (laughs) I'm super excited. Your photography is, it's so beautiful and it's amazing. And I'm I'm being serious. Like as soon as we get off this, I'm like, let's schedule something (laughs) like need content always. Um, okay. So very last thing, how can we support you and where can we find you online? How can we get your book when it's released or get the book that's currently out? And how can we just be a support to you and your business? 
Um, well, anything that you do to support me is always appreciated. Um, engaging online really means the most just because it means you're seeing the content that I'm putting out there and you're giving me feedback on it about not only the things that I'm passionate about, but how to improve and direct my um, energies in the future. So my website is spaceplaceinsoutherngrace.com. From there, that's kind of the hub of where you can find my photography portfolio and link to how to book me. Um, all my blog posts and great resources are there as well, um, as in, in addition to all my connected social media platforms and again my handle is space place in southern grace or space place in grace i'm sorry on instagram and facebook and you can link up with me there to see any um brand or brands i'm working with right now if i've got general advice for entrepreneurs it's up there or if i'm just narrating kind of my life in kentucky um about you know how i'm how i work with um different clients in in and around the area that's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have all of her links below in the show notes. So you guys can connect with her on her website, read her blog, go to her Instagram. She has a beautiful layout. I'm like, I went to it today to like do my research and I was like, man, I need to be a little bit more aesthetic. <laughs> like it's beautiful though. Like it's just, you can tell, you know, when you go to profiles and you can just feel the authenticity and like, you can just, it almost just brings you happiness looking at the pictures. Cause you're just so happy and bright. And one of those energies that's just just bringing more good energy into the world. And I love that. And I, I only allow people like that into my circle. So that's why you're here. Um, so I just want to say again, thank you so much for, for being here, for sharing your knowledge and for um, just sharing everything you did with us today. And I'm excited to, to get a copy of this book in 2019. It's going to be, I feel like it's going to be a very, very good year for, for you and for everything, um, not only in your real day job, but also in your side business and everything that you have going on. So um, thank you again for joining the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Gabby. I really appreciate it. Of course. And thank you everyone for listening. And I will talk to you guys on the next Evolve Your Life podcast. Bye.